welcome to episode 12 of the MTG Conflicts cast. My name is Steven. I'm joined by my co-host, John. Hello. And Chris. Hey. And in today's episode, we will be talking about the Holiday Cube. But first, let's kick things off with our weekly roundup where we talk about what decks we piloted and played against this past week. Uh, Chris, let's start with you. Now, nobody asked for it, but I delivered anyway. I played a uh, good old five-color Zubair Rally. <laughs> as uh, debuted as the uh, against the odds week of November 27th, 23rd, I believe it was. I made a couple slight tweaks to the sideboard. Um, come to find out all Zubairs are also spirits, so I uh, stuck a Geistasian trap in there for the little spice factor. Yeah. Oof. I had to see him block an opposing Geist of Saint trap with his Geist of Saint trap. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, uh, it was not expected by my opponent. I'll tell you. No. That was for sure. Uh, went two and two. Uh, was able to <laughs> defeat the almighty, um, Jeskai Tempo deck. Uh, Granted, as you may see in the uh, matches later on, it was a little bit strange because the uh, the guy who was playing the deck got there a little bit late. <laughs> so he ended up accidentally shuffling his sideboard into his deck and presenting it, which <laughs> explains his um, game one Relic of Progenitus. <laughs> so brutal. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, not really expected from from uh, the Jessica deck in game one. But hashtag didn't matter. Still got him. And then game two, he got oh. bamboozled real good by my guys of St. Draft to block his guys of St. Draft. And, and a negate. <laughs> and then he hard cast a ley line and I negated it, which he also was definitely not expecting. Man. <laughs> I go, so my, my lands are like unclaimed territories, cavern, cavern, like temple, garden, basic plains, and like arid mesa. And he goes, uh, I last, last game I died to these uh, red Zuberas, and I'm pretty sure attacking with 1-2s isn't very good. So I'm going to bring in these Ley Lines. So he casts his Ley Line, I crack my Mason response, and he's like, hmm? What's going Get on wrecked. right now? I'm like, I, I'm wrecked. negating that. He's <laughs> like, are you really? Get wrecked. When you say bring in these Ley Lines, don't you mean leave in these Ley Lines? <laughs> 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 this is true. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> So we're sideboard, he's like, I guess I'll just see what cards I want to take out. Because <laughs> he already brought in all the cards he wanted. Uh. Uh. <laughs> and then uh, next I got to play against Mono Blue Tron, and I uh, Zuberia's range supreme yet again. <clears throat> I was a little bit disappointed that he uh, d decided not to... So he attacked with the Wormquill engine, and I blocked it with five Zuberas. <laughs> and I was Jeez. a little bit disappointed he didn't just decide to kill them all. <laughs> He went 2-2-2 two, two, two and only killed three of them. <clears throat> Man, never lucky. But, uh... <laughs> I think I killed him from, like, 36 life in a single turn or something. Yeah, you did. It was, wow. Uh, it was pretty gross. But he was a real good sport about it. He was a very... I've never seen anyone happier to die to the old Emberfist Zubera. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is also the fact that you were savagely cheating the entire tournament without realizing it. Yeah. So... <laughs> Turns out, I don't actually know what my cards do at all. So, Stephen, did you know that Rally the Ancestors has the text Exile It at the very end of it? Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> and two of the rallies in my deck were Japanese, so I literally don't know oh what the card Oh, my does. God. 
I don't know why I own like no forehand cards, but two of my rallies are Japanese, so I just gave them to Chris. So all Jesus. I know is that for four mana, I get to bring all my two drops back into play, and on my upkeep, they go away. Other than that, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't actually relevant, so I don't feel that bad about it. But uh, yeah. yeah, you like playing cards of spell mastery in your deck? <laughs> I literally like, never cast that card. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I bordered out every single match. I was it's just, it's yeah, bad. Uh, and then Gather it the pack. The, uh, I lost my next round to Scred Red because it turns out that the graveyard-based five-color, horribly greedy mana-based deck is not favored against the main deck for Relic of Progenitus for Blood Moon deck. <laughs> Weird. You know, I really Strange. let you down. I really let you down because I was so close to beating him the round before. I like, I was so close to beating him and I lost. And then, then he just got paired against you and crushed you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, didn't didn't uh, didn't cover for you very well there. <laughs> Although game two, I did get I did get <laughs> game two, so it's pretty funny. I play a turn two blue Zubera, turn three blue Zubera, and he goes untap blood moon you. So then I go untap red <laughs> Zubera, next turn red Zubera. <laughs> He's not doing anything else, so I'm just attacking with my Zuberas. And eventually, I guess he's had enough, and he casts Volcanic Fall. So I just shoot him for eight and draw eight cards. Oh my god. <laughs> and he took two damage from his Volcanic Fall. So he just goes like, yep, I'll just half my life, gone. No big deal. No biggie. <laughs> you, like, drew into, like, Wear Tear. So I drew into Wear Tear plus a Plane. So I play my Planes, and I discard the Hand Size, pitch all these Zuberas. Jeez. Pass it to him. I'm like, please don't relic me. And he's like... Land go, I'm like, alright, 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 I'll tear your blood moon, untap rally. And then play a Vistar Seer. But yeah, double screds my Rifus Zubera, so I can't just kill him, so I just have to settle for drawing 18 more cards. Oh, no biggie. <laughs> Poor you. <laughs> so sad. Because <sighs> I like, get savagely crushed in game three, so it didn't really Yeah, you happen. did. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, the uh, Boros Reckoner is really gross against Zubera. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> Just shooting him down left and right. It's like, what am I supposed to do? Like, block it with a bunch of them and try and ember fist it down? Like, he yeah. just gives his first strike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he missed a turn where he actually, he like blocked with both his reckoners and he could have given one first strike to actually break up your triggers and he didn't see it. Yeah, he... Uh... He, he, he didn't play perfectly against the Zubera deck. I totally thought you were going to get blown out by that, actually, because I saw it, and I was like, oh, Chris is going to get blown out. It's going to be awesome. And then the guy didn't see it, and I was like, ah, oh, damn. I mean, what I a great friend. Like, Never punished. Doing, you know? <laughs> what a great friend. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he's going to get punished. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I was, like, expecting you to get dumpstered there. <laughs> uh. So what about you, John? What did you play? Uh, I also played a greedy, greedy, greed pile. Um, so, uh, Ari Lax posted a, um, a article earlier last week. It was, uh, I think it's called the, like the best cards in modern and how you're supposed to be playing them or something along those lines. It's talking about like serum visions and thought seas, especially. And, um, he highlighted a deck that I believe got like, I want to say fourth at an invitational qualifier. It did pretty good. And, um, it was similar to these, like, um, Mardu Bedlam Reveler decks that have been kind of going around online and kind of 5 0 here and there. And um, I'd looked at them before and kind of been interested because I've been playing um, 
a Mardu deck lately that um, plays a lot of similar cards, but it wasn't playing Bedlam Revelers. It was kind of playing like a Dark Confidant as its card advantage engine, and kind of a little bit different angle. I didn't really like the way the Mardu decks were set up, but this version uh, is even greedier and plays blue. So you are a Rakdos deck splashing white and blue at this point. How greedy can you get? And um, it really uh, caught my eye. Because I have been in the uh, market for a delicious greed pile for a few weeks now, and nothing has really uh, quenched my thirst for dirtling and greed. Um, and this was exactly what I've been looking for. And even better, on Friday, Ari Lax posts a video series of the deck I was already locked in on the deck. I'd already sleeped it all up and was ready to go. And then I see, lo and behold, he posts like three rounds worth of gameplay with the deck and his thoughts. And I was like, excellent. I didn't have time to test the deck, but Ari Lex did it for me. <laughs> and uh, he had some um, thoughts about the deck that kind of jived with what I had been thinking. And um, it turns out the, uh, the guy that uh, built the deck and played the deck, his deck list was reported incorrectly. And he had like a... A basic planes on the list that was posted and i just didn't understand like why the hell you would ever want a basic planes on this deck yeah so, um yeah apparently there's a couple like issues with the land base being mis uh misattributed mis yeah like, so because there's something that got yeah, the basic planes and like the hollowed fountain in the sideboard seemed weird and it had flooded strands in the deck yeah it was weird like the white the white aspect of the deck just seemed off and uh, he was playing an island instead of the planes and his um his two flooded strands were actually um uh, marsh, marsh flats, yeah, and um, I didn't know this at the time, but uh, I I didn't like the uh, the sideboard hollow fountain very much, but I did like it being in the deck because you're a thought scour deck, and I was really worried about um, kind of like how four color shadow the blue ones sometimes you have to worry about you know milling over your white source with uh, thought scour and screwing yourself over. So I uh, I replaced the main deck planes and the misreported list with the hollow fountain from the sideboard, opening up a sideboard slot. Um, after talking to a few people. I couldn't really figure out where the hell you were supposed to bring the hollow fountain in. And I was like, well, maybe I'm just dumb. And Ari Lax is like, I don't know where the hell to bring this hollow fountain in. And I was like, okay, <laughs> okay, good. I'm not alone here. Like, I'm not stupid. Ari Lax can't figure it out either. Like, I'm just cutting this shit, putting it on the main deck. And then I uh, I swapped my uh, the hollow fountains for, um, I guess the guy was actually playing uh, Marsh Flats. But I thought they were better served as um, two extra Bloodstained Myers because I was only playing basic Mountain and Swamp. And I wanted to be able to get my basics. Um, so I put it like that and tweaked the sideboard a little bit, took out the Shatterstorm, which seemed quite gratuitous because there's a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, artifact hate already in the sideboard and, um, play the deck and I played against, um, Scredred and I also played against, um, Ponza and I was really surprised by how resilient the deck is to Blood Moon actually. Um, it's really not that bad. The original Mardu version actually plays a one main deck Blood Moon and I think it might have some more in the sideboard and, um, so long as you are careful and get a swamp at some point before they blood moon you um you're pretty fine um and even if you get kind of clogged up on uh, blue stuff or uh even like some white you know white cards like lingering souls um faithless looting really helps you turn those into cards that matter and actually against the uh the ponza deck um in the post board games i actually sideboarded out as many blue cards as i could i just left snapcasters in i took out the serum visions I took out the Thought Scours and just brought in a bunch of, uh, of cards that were um, black and red and uh, some wear tears. Um, and um, it performed really well for me. I didn't really, have, I didn't really get Blood Mooned out ever. Um, I think my opponents were kind of uh, 
caught with these kind of dead cards against the deck, which felt really good. I actually um, inquisitioned against the threat player in like game two, I want to say, and um, he had like Blood Moon, Blood Moon, Boros, Reckoner, and then like lands. I just took the Reckoner and let him have double Blood Moon and just pitched the like Snapcaster Mage in my hand to a Faithless Looting. <laughs> it's just like, sure, whatever. Um, just write off this blue card and just like play Young Pyromancers, Bolt Effects, and Bedlam Revelers and just womp on you that way. Get wrecked. Yeah, it went, it went <laughs> fine. You had these two, two three mana dead cards in hand, basically, and I had cards that did things, so it was really nice. Um, so that was really cool. Um, I, I like the deck a lot. It felt really good. Um, it uh, it grinds really well. It gets a lot of value. Uh, the only thing about the deck that I'm like not crazy about is that um, it is a little soft to graveyard hate. So um, you probably need to put a threat in the board that's like uh, good against decks that are bringing grave hate against you. Maybe something like Olivia Voldaren or oh, I don't know. Blue. You could play a Karanos yeah you could i don't know maybe <laughs> that might be good i'm not sure i have to kind of give it some more thought i think i'm actually going to tinker with the deck some more though and play it here and there i, I liked it a lot it isn't actually like most of these decks i'm trying it all the time are just kind of throwaway decks um you know they're fun for the evening but i don't really want to keep tweaking them and um this deck i like quite a bit um i think i'm going to stick with it for a little bit um and and play it at least in my free time i don't know about fnm but i'm definitely going to be toying with it and thinking about it for a while i thought it was a really really sweet deck uh, how about you, Steven? What did you play this week? So I didn't get to play much Magic this weekend, uh, or this week, uh, just due to work and just having a little bit of a busy life schedule right now. Um, but I did want to try something different this week for my weekly roundup. Uh, before we started recording, I asked both of you not to look at this link uh, can, until now. Can we click now. it now? Yeah, so, so go ahead and click that link so we can have like genuine first reactions to this. What the fuck? <laughs> First card on the list. <laughs> three three hover mirror. Flying vigilant squire. Man, we were all playing squires. Oh, excellent. Actually, my squire wasn't a squire. It was a two one, so screw all you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, uh so, uh-huh. so Oh. Oh. Oh, you went deep. Oh, oh baby. I went deep. <laughs> Poor baby. What have you done to yourself? So, lots and lots of sore. <laughs> so, okay, this this deck uh, revolves around Trophy Mage, which Trophy Mage is blue and two. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an artifact card with converted mana cost three, reveal it, put it in your hand, shuffle your library, and it's a 2-2. Two, two. There had to have been better artifacts for you to play. Uh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> you built a deck around a card that fetches bad cards. Oh, yeah. Okay, so... so, so so starting Trin- at, at the Trinisphere top... Trinisphere is modern legal? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, it's from Dark Darksteel. Oh, I thought it was okay. like some older jank. Okay, so going down just like the creatures list, we have Hovermere, which is a colorless 1-2 uh, Flying Vigilance for 2 mana. Sigurd's then we have aid? What the fuck? Meddling Mage, Pure Steel Paladin, Etched Champion, which you can get with uh, Trophy Mage, by the way. Uh, Flicker Wisp, Reflector Mage... And then Trophy Mage. Um, and then as spells, we have uh, four Path to Exiles and one Steel Shaper's Gift. Uh, <laughs> the EDH players will recognize that one. Uh, it's a, it's a one-mana 
uh, sorcery, search your library for uh, an equipment card, reveal the card, put your hand, shuffle your library. Uh, it's, it's the it's the good half of Stoneforge mistake. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe the bad half, depending on how you want to de- argue. Yeah, depending on how, how you fall on that fence. Uh, and then we got four Aether Vials, one uh, of each sword, except for the green-blue one. So we have Feast and Famine, Fire and Ice, Light and Shadow, War and Peace. Isn't that Two- just, like, the one you want the most, though, because it cheeses people out? Uh, War and Peace? Or... No. no, he was talking about uh, Body and Mind. Body and Mind. <laughs> no, that one's... It's no. so bad. Well, it's good in our later topic, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then two Trinospheres. Uh, and then two copies of Sigarda's Aid, which uh, nobody knows who this card is, I'm sure. Uh, a one-mana white enchantment. Uh, you may cast auras and equipment... And equipment spells as though they had flash. Whenever an equipment enters the battlefield under your control, you may attach it to target creature you control. So, basically, the idea here is to get a trophy mage, to go get something cool, to play something cool, and start beating in with a bunch. Um, or to kind of grind out the mid-game enough so you can have enough mana to, like, uh, trophy mage, get as champion, uh... And then, like, flicker trophy mage to get a sword or something. And then put your sword on your champion. And then you go ham. Man, I hope they reprint. Do you ever have Metalcraft in this deck? Oh, oh, you'd be surprised. Because adding... You flood on Aether Vials. Because you were playing Hover Mirror? Yeah, because um, because you're playing Hover Mirror. Exactly. Because because you're playing Hover Mirror and because you're playing Aether Vials, Trinospheres, and Swords... You actually have metalcraft more often than you would think, which is very cool. Oh, uh, the pure steel paladins, like, like realistically, this deck is total garbage. But if I had to, like, <laughs> <laughs> but if I had to pick a card that needed to be changed for something else, it would probably be a uh, pure steel paladin. We're probably getting a little too cute there, uh, <laughs> because yeah, that's, that's, that's that's where that's we're drawing the line. <laughs> God, I just, you know, I kind of hope for your sake that they unban Stoneforge Mystic and Modern so you can take this thing out back behind the Oof. house and just put it down with a shotgun. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. The Trinospheres are just like, wow. If if all I'm doing is casting three mana things, you are too. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then my Path to Exiles just get really bad, but we, we just ignore that part. Oh my god. Uh, so yeah, and this mana base is also ridiculous. It still can't be burned. Uh, Prairie Stream, Hollowed Fountains, Flooded Strand, Glacial Fortress, two Buried Ruins, uh, which is uh, add colorless mana to your pool um, or pay two and sacrifice it, return a target artifact to the, from your graveyard to your hand, and Academy Ruins. You know what this deck looks like? What? This deck looks like a kid who like read about Legacy <laughs> online and shows up at a tournament. He's like, hey, guys, I brought my deck. Like, this is what I put together for Legacy. And this <laughs> this is what he would be playing. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll have you note, John, that this, there's no sideboard here in this list, right? Right. Uh, there, there is and, no sideboard. It says on paper it's $519. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Why? That's like, that's like meddling mages, uh, aether vials, and uh, fetches is what's like... 
the mainstay of this deck. Oh, well, and the swords cost like tw- between 20 and 40 bucks. Talk about conspicuous consumption. So, <laughs> so this is <laughs> So this is what I had been brewing up with. Um, I know that 2 weeks ago I said I wanted to play the trophy mage and uh, this is what my brain made up. How many EDH decks did you have to take apart to build this? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, and there were oh, and get this, there were like different iterations of this deck where it was like this is the first draft. Oh no 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 no! This is not the first draft. This guys. is the refined version. Uh, this the the first <laughs> the first draft so. uh, had had way more of a death and taxes feel to the deck. Whereas, like, I named I named the deck, you know, Blue-White Death and Taxes, and it had Trophy Mage with a few swords. And I was like, no, 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 this isn't good enough. We need to go deeper. So I cut the Thalias. I cut everything about Death and Taxes except for, like, Flicker Wisp. Uh, and just went from there. I feel like if you if you had a Death and Taxes player take their trade binder and decide to like build blue white Death and Taxes on the spot like at the card shop for FNM, <laughs> they might have might have had a better list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. They they definitely would have had a better list. Man, I, you, I just don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't know, like two reflector mage. Wouldn't trophy just mage two. into like Hoosbro rolls to recur all your hundreds of ghost quarters be pretty sweet if you're playing a D and T build? And, and you know what? I thought, and that was another version of the deck <laughs> where I revolved uh, reflect, or revolved Trophy Mage around kind of just like wastelanding your opponent turn after turn after turn, or like strip mining, I suppose. Um, and it just wasn't... Yeah, you could have played Settle the Wreckage, too. It just wasn't... I don't know. It just doesn't... Talking about was, bad cards. It wasn't fun. <laughs> this is fun. fun. This you, is fun. You could have taken <laughs> all the fun to yourself. What if your opponent like alphas you, and then you settle them, hold priority, violin a Leonin Arbiter? Oh. Ah. <laughs> uh, but the funny thing is, uh, when I went to go test this deck, so there's a website called uh, untap.in, uh, which is kind of just like a free platform to kind of uh, <gasps> test decks out. Oh man, now we're not going to ever get any spoilers from Watsi. What have you done? Oh no, what did I do? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, so I was, uh, I'll, I'll rephrase it. I'll rephrase it. I'm kidding. I'm I'm joking. We're never getting okay. spoilers. What are you talking about? Also, right. I also I don't think they care. Uh, so so I was on this website uh, testing out my deck, and I kid you not, the three times that I went to go play this deck, I played against uh, Mardu crap. With what? like, you take that back. Mardu, Mardu crap that goes turn three, uh, Coligon's command, blow up your sword, blow up something else. Huh. Turn four, Coligon's command, blow up your other sword, blow up your aether vial. Turn four or turn five, Coligon's command, put my creature back in my hand, blow up your third sword. Because. That was game. That was match one, and then match two was like another Kolagons command deck and another Kolagons command deck. I was. It's been ridiculous trying to play this deck, Chris. Do you think this deck can beat standard Marty vehicles? <laughs> Not like, even Ram and Half Red. Just Marty vehicles. <laughs> K- 
can win. Ooh, I also thought about adding vehicles to the deck too. <laughs> <laughs> because trophy mage can go get them. Ah, uh, yeah. What it's three banded vehicles are there? Aethersfield Harvester? Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> little offense, little defense. I guess like, oh, you can play Stick uh, a what, on it? Smuggler's Copter instead of Hover Mirror. And you can crew it with your trophy mage. Ah. Ah. <laughs> and then have to pay two mana to put your sword to it every turn. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so yeah, this is, this is what I had been working on. Uh, on my free time when I wasn't playing Magic um, or when I couldn't play Magic. This is what I've been thinking of. And and, and like I said, this you deck should've... is nowhere nowhere near good. It's a really bad deck, but you, it was fun to make. You should apologize to our listeners for working on this instead of editing the last cast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so true. Uh, so it's true. okay. It'll be my turn to get roasted when we do the uh, the Singleton decks in a few so, weeks. So do you oh, think man. that... Um, this deck is better or worse than uh, Ambu Snakefall. What? What? Uh, better known as Tribal Snakes. Oh. Uh, I'm pretty sure Tribal Snakes is just straight up better. Probably way better. <laughs> um, that, that deck has an infinite combo. <laughs> At the very least. <laughs> Somewhere in there. Uh, so, so that'll be my, that'll be my weekly roundup. Uh, just sharing... The, the pile of blue-white trophy mage garbage that I've came up with. Um, and that will also be the cool deck that I've seen this week. Um, <laughs> only two what about you guys? <laughs> Did you guys see any uh, cool decks float around? Uh, I got crushed on Moto in a Legacy League by a Jeskai Stoneblade deck playing Spellstutter Sprite. Get wrecked. Yeah, Tell was, me more. It was like... Uh, stifle his grim lava mancer activation on my death right shaman and then he spells her sprites my stifle with his last two mana so i'm like huh and then i daze it and then he forces my days man that activation apparently was like the key to success yeah <laughs> he really wanted that, that grimoire of answer what were the life totals oh like this is like the beginning of the game oh my god yeah so you both just spent a bunch of resources trying to get this uh this ability on or off the stack yeah i feel like yeah. what happened was like he's like oh death or shaman i guess i'll kill that and you're like eh, i want to be able to get some value out of this i might as well stifle like what else am i doing this guy's not playing that many fetch lands or whatever and he's like huh if he's willing to stifle it then that means it's really important so i should spell stutter it and then you're just like well if he's willing to spell stutter it i guess i might as well daze him <laughs> Oh, if it's really it, I gotta force it. Oh my <laughs> he god. He pitched like a million click to the first Oh of all. my god. It's <laughs> <was> like, what? <laughs> uh, yeah. Next level. You yeah. Can try next level. <laughs> and then he just like had a spell slitter sprite just kind of beat me in the face for half the game. <laughs> oh, it was bad. It was real bad. That's pretty funny. So I, uh,. I was playing with a friend who was, like, you know, like, over at the time, and he was, like, you know, watching, because he was interested in, in Grixis Delver and Legacy, and I was, like, this is game two, so um, we sighted out of our Delvers, and we, because he had, like, infinite removal in his deck and Lava Mancers and shit main deck, and was, like, well, he has, like, all this removal, so we're just going to be, like, Pyromancer, Grimog, Angler, True Name deck, and then just, like, turn off his removal by not playing these garbage Delvers and bring in, like, interactive spells. 
and um, he was a Stoneblade deck, so the Stifles were like basically counter spell for Stoneforge Mystic was like why mm-hmm. they were in the deck. And after I'd like explained this like well thought out reasoning and made a good plan, I'm just like, oh, I gotta stifle this Lava Mancer because that's definitely what our goal is for this game. It was just probably not what I wanted to be doing in the first place. Gosh. And then we have this huge counter fight over it, and I get spell slitters sprayed. It. I was just baffled by the fact that this is in their deck. I hope you were embarrassed. That somebody watched you make that, make those plays. <laughs> I mean, it was fine. It was a fine play. Like, in retrospect, it was like, yeah, we probably shouldn't have stifled there. But what's, like, the days on the Spellsitter Sprite was perfectly reasonable. The Force of Will was just like, wow, okay, we're done here. It's okay. John's time for embarrassment is yet to come. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of embarrassment, I guess we'll get into our next topic. <laughs> So uh, our topic for this week is the uh, Moto Holiday Cube. Uh, it's live every winter from uh, about mid-December to mid-January. It is a vintage cube online. I think it's actually been uh, renamed officially to the Vintage Cube now on Moto. And uh, it is a who's who of the most powerful cards in Magic in cube form, and it is a lot of fun. This awesome, year it's awesome. going to be... <laughs> this year it's going to be running from uh, December 20th to January 15th online. Um, you pay a nominal amount of tickets or play points and you get to uh, duke it out online. Um, we've had so much fun with this every year. I have actually uh, proxied up the entire cube onto some uh, nice quality cardstock and we uh, we play it at non-holiday times of the year when I can round up eight people. Or six. Or six. <laughs> or, or, or four. <laughs> or literally anybody who just wants to play. Yeah. Take it's always like play. people are people are super excited and then they just don't show up on the day of. And they're like, oh, I had to go clip my toenails. Watch what happens is like, we just never get eight people at the same time. So we have like a revolving door where like 12 people play the cube at some point during the day, but none of them are there at the same time. <laughs> yeah, we had like three full sets of people. Yeah. It was... <laughs> Anyways, um, so Holiday Cube, uh, lots of fun. Um, there are a variety of archetypes. Um, I guess we'll kind of break down um, some general info about the archetypes and kind of what to look for if you're interested in playing the cube, what you can expect to see out of other decks. Um, so since this is a vintage cube, uh, it has the uh, Power 9. Uh, it's got Ancestral Recall, it's got all the Moxes, it's got Lotus, it's got Library of Alexandria, uh, it's got Tinker, Channel, Show and Tell, Sneak Attack, it has uh, Storm, which is something people eagerly try to draft and often fail at drafting. Um, so, uh, Chris, you want to uh, break down some of the archetypes of me and uh, kind of go over what people can expect to see or should maybe kind of aim for on their first draft? Yeah, so as a side note. As a side note, I'm a Holiday Cube noob, and I have uh, very small opinions to add to this because I've only really done the cube twice, and I've gotten forced into like death and taxes both times. Oh, shut up! You won the one you did with us. Yeah, but still, I got forced into it. <laughs> oh, what was me? What forced into like constructed death and taxes? One of every good card. Like, this is a cube deck? <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'll, I'll let you guys continue. Turn one Mother Runes again, huh? Yeah. 
sure there's only so, one of those in there. One of my personal favorites, and by favorites I mean I ended up in this I ended up in this deck a lot more than I care to admit, is a Reanimator, or should I say bad Reanimator. Yeah. Reanimator can be a trap sometimes. So uh, Reanimator seems like it can be very powerful. You have you have all these really great bombs like Iona, Elish Norn, Terastodon, yeah, Terastodon. And there's all the great um, reanimator uh, spells like reanimate, animate dead, exhum. You got good uh, ways to get him in the yard. You have entomb, careful studies, faithful studings, you know, what have you. But there's also much worse versions of all of these cards as well. So while you do have your exhums and uh, reanimates, you also have your um, corpse, corpse dances, dances and makeshift mannequins. <laughs> And on the discount yeah. side, you have, you know, cards like maybe Careful Study or Fanic Search or something. And you also Fairy have... Fairy Macabre. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Una's Prowler. Uh, Putrid Emphasis. I'm sorry, yeah. Una's Prowler is what I'm thinking of, not in Fairy Macabre. Fairy yeah. Macabre is uh, the opposite of what you want. <laughs> Una's Prowler is just two-mana Putrid Imp. <laughs> yeah. Putrid Imp also in the cube, I believe, right? Yes, also in the cube. Uh, strictly, strictly uh, better. Yeah, usually strictly better. Yeah. Um, doesn't get mental misstep though. Well, <laughs> I don't think that's in the cube. <clears throat> mental misstep? Uh, it is. It is. Yeah, oh. it's in the cube. Yeah. <laughs> because this is the vintage cube. Gotta have that authentic oh, vintage yeah, yeah, experience. Got him. Get your ancestral um, recall. Mental other misstep. Other types <laughs> are. Uh, you can play some ramp strategies. So you can play the green ramp deck. And then usually it goes along with stuff like Eureka or Oath, because you typically have a lot of these big bombs you can ramp into, like Terastodons or Woodfall Primus or uh, Crater Hoof Behemoth. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, the, there's, um, uh, the there's big X spells too. Like uh, your Thran Dynamos and Grim Monoliths and Soul Rings and the like. And there's also a Metalworker in the cube, so you could do some silly things with him. Um, yeah, you can get that. You can go get your Blightsteel Colossus real easy that way and cast him off of your uh, Metalworker. <laughs> sometimes you just Metalworker and, you know, Rakdos return them or something. You know, who knows? It's cube. You can do what you want. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> I think one of the more uh, more common ways that a lot of people draft and a lot of the bigger archetypes are kind of the um, I drafted a bomb decks, right? Yeah, so... Oftentimes, you're early on in your pack one, you just find one of these insane cards. And that kind of just becomes your plan A of your deck. So cards like, like that typically include stuff like Tinker, Channel, Show and Tell, Sneak Attack, Recurring Nightmare, even stuff like Eureka to a little bit lesser extent. And so these cards generally kind of work um, cards that you're looking for. Right, so if you pick up an early Tinker, then you're really hoping to get that Blightsteel Colossus. Yeah, you kind of almost get... Inkwell Leviathan or something. You almost get put into an archetype almost from your first pick, right? <clears throat> and, like, it's... You, you can be, you know, you have to be smart and, and bail on that one that's not going to pan out. But generally speaking, if you get it, you know, a pick one Tinker, you have a lot of options over the course of the draft to try to, to make that card work. And it's such a powerful card that you really are incentivized to do that. Right. And a lot of the times, um, if you get like pack one, pick one, you're usually in a pretty good spot to make the deck work, because um, since nobody else has the tinker, they're not as inclined to want to pick up like the good tinker targets and um, that sort of thing. 
there is a fair bit of overlap in the archetypes though you um <clears throat> you might be fighting for your you know uh your big artifacts with the uh the mono brown deck right maybe someone's right. uh or picked up a Kodolfa forge master yeah they picked up a forge master or a eureka or a um an oath and um you're kind of all jockeying for the the best best fatties to cheat into play sneak attack, um, yeah. <clears throat> and that can often be um kind of a, a sub game of the drafting right is there's a there's a lot of decks that care about the fatties in the cube and cheating them into play and sometimes you can um end up with a really good reanimator shell or um sneak attack or show and tell type deck or eureka deck and you can actually struggle to find good threats um and there's a lot of them in the cube so it's usually not a big deal but sometimes you kind of get stuck with dregs and you're yeah. uh you're playing some some real stinkers you know um <clears throat> trying frost to uh, titan. yeah you put in your frost titan or your uh your storm breath dragon or something like that um and so um securing the key parts of your deck early can be important and the alternative side of the coin of these um you know these build around type decks where you uh you get uh, a crazy bomb early on is um there are a lot of um, blue-white control and tempo decks and just fair mid-range decks in general. And generally the way you end up in a deck like that is, you know, you don't have a insane pickup in the first few picks. And um, generally a good rule of thumb is to pick up good mana, right? There's a lot of great fixing in the cube. You've got fetch lands, dual lands, Signets. mana rocks, galore. Yeah, and so... Um, a good way to go about things when you don't find one of these crazy bombs is to just focus on crafting a really strong mana base and um, picking up cards that are above, you know, average power level that come by in the process. You know, maybe you take a, a Tundra for your first pick and then a few picks later, you know, maybe second or third pick, you uh, you get a mana drain passed to you. That happens fairly often, stuff like that. Um, and so you end up in, you know, a quite often a blue of some sort uh kind of fair mid-range deck where you're um trying to answer the broken stuff your opponent's doing kind of control the game a little bit and um you know win with some just mid-range good stuff or sometimes even combo of your own uh there's a lot of variations on the splinter twin combo in the cube um you've got good old um kiki jiki splinter twin pestermite deceiver exarch yeah there's a lot of different variations on on the infinite creature combo that you can cram into like a just guy colored control shell so um you've got a lot of little options with that you can also play kind of like a planeswalker control or mid-range deck there's a lot of good planeswalkers in the cube good card selection like um what is it impulse i believe is in the cube um you anticipate maybe not as good frantic search uh factor fiction is really strong which is sometimes a struggle if you're trying to um, draft the storm deck is that um pretty much any blue deck is in the market for all these cantrips and if you're the spell-based combo deck you'd like to have as many cantrips as you can get as well so there's a lot of overlap with a lot of these different uh archetypes not just the big fatties yeah, you can get screwed fairly often where, you know, you think you're locked in an archetype and you just don't find the supporting cards, right? Like Storm Storm can have this happen fairly often. I, the two ways I've seen Storm most often go is where they they get the early Storm card and they just can't find the fast mana or selection that they need to really tie the deck together. Um, and they end up playing a lot of, like, mana rocks and they're just kind of slow and they don't have, like, an actual real way to, like, p- like, make a lot of Storm in one turn. 
or they really highly prioritize those cards and they just don't see the storm cards going on the table and then they find one or no storm cards at the end of the day and they have a really hard time actually going off and you end up late into pack three having to like trying to scramble together some way to win the game yeah the backup plan basically like how do you convert all this mana and card card draw into it into a kill right that's that's when you're like i've got a gutter snipe or something like that and uh you could do worse than that yeah (laughs) so um that's uh that's one of the ways things can go off the rails so um I think we tend to kind of play dirtle piles fairly often, um, and then occasionally we uh, we play an off the rails insane combo deck. Uh, stuff like bad reanimator comes up fairly often. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to gravitate towards like the the rampy decks. I feel like the uh, the fast mana, the rocks are really strong, and you know, I just it just makes me feel good when you just get to power out like a turn four mirror battle sphere or something ridiculous. And. Um, on top of the you know the good archetypes in the deck and the things you want to look at, there's actually some some bad cards and some traps in the cube as well. And you know we talked a little bit about how you can kind of trap yourself sometimes when you uh, you try to get into an archetype and you you don't find the payoff cards that you you know you necessarily need and you end up with kind of a, a half baked deck. But um, there are a few other kind of ways that you can get out in the weeds in this holiday cube format and kind of do yourself a disservice too. I know one of the 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 worst ones is when you end up with uh, all the lands, all the fixing. You, uh, you highly prioritize the fetch lands, uh, the dual lands, and you, you know you're just going to get a bulletproof mana base, which is great. It's really strong in this cube, um, but you never really take the time to grab the real bombs that go by you know stuff like consecrated sphinx goes by and you take a fetch land over it right um you kind of want to take take a turn off and picking the fixing and make sure if you're playing this kind of deck that you snag the real powerhouse cards that go by and if you if you are too picky sometimes you can end up with a bunch of fixing and some uh dregs from the ends of the packs as your uh, your payoff cards and um Five color good stuff doesn't really get you there when the good stuff isn't actually so good. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's kind of how it is with a lot of these sorts of decks, right? You need you need like ramp plus a payoff, or you need set of spells plus your combo, and it's sometimes it's a little bit difficult to to balance out um, getting both. But yeah, sometimes you get trying to locked into this thinking of I need to find all the best, you know, need to have the best fixing so I can play whatever I want. And they never actually pick any powerful multicolored cards. Um, I feel like a similar trap, not a similar trap necessarily, but um, so it is a vintage cube and there's a lot of power. There's all the power in the cube. But sometimes it's incorrect to take power. I'm not saying it's common. What? <laughs> but sometimes it's wrong. So, especially um, if you're in like you're the reanimator deck, right? You have all these ways to reanimate fatties and get them in the yard, but your fatties aren't that good. So pack three walls around. There's an Iona and like a Mox. Okay, sure. White Mox, green Mox. I don't know something like that, right? Off think, color. Oh man, I just slam pick this mox right because it's power, and you do, and then the Iona doesn't wheel, and you don't have a functional deck. Yeah, that sure. happens. That happens sure. fairly often. Until until you classically get into a case of bad reanimator. 
<laughs> yeah, so obviously, like, you know, pack one, pick one. Oh, should I take this Mox or this Iona? Slam the Mox, right? But if you're already established in a deck, and you've along comes a card that you've kind of been looking for for the last pack, and haven't found it, and here it is, and some other piece of power, like... Sometimes you just have to, to let the power go. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You have to you have to show some restraint and and understand what's important for your deck, right? And um, I think people that that draft a lot are probably going to be more familiar with this concept than uh, people that are just picking up Holiday Cube because it's sweet and they you know they don't maybe draft all the time. This is a concept that um, I know Limited Resources podcast goes over from time to time about. Sometimes you have to take the card your deck needs rather than the best card, right? Yeah, yeah. Like it's, if you if you ever draft the ramp deck, you know this very well. <laughs> you end up picking like stuff like Sakura Tribe Scout over much, much more powerful cards. And uh, Scout, like, this sorry, is what we're doing with our life. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, I guess I don't need this Jace the Mind Sculptor. I'll just take this, you know, two mana rampant growth that can block. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> In that format where you might not even be blocking to, to before you die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, other trap cards. There's a few kind of like. I keep seeing uh, people make this mistake. Um, I don't know why. I know if local people do this occasionally. Is people want to draft and build around moat? Yeah, some people just really love a moat. It's not good. Spoilers. It's bad. It's really bad. This is yeah. this is a cube with like reanimate my gristle brand. Kill you with it. Moat doesn't stop that. Uh, or, or storm kill you or storm or infinite pester mites <laughs> or terastodon yeah. blow up your moat <laughs> <laughs> here have an elephant i insist elephant. yeah um yeah it just moat is not not great especially when you limit yourself on what you're taking it's a it's a four mana do nothing enchantment like it's just not where you want to be in this cube um it's okay against some of the you know fair beatdown decks, but um, I don't know. In a format like this, are you really wanting to position yourself to be good against the fair beatdown decks? Like that's that's your goal. I want to beat these fair beatdown decks, and then what? <laughs> Speaking so, of fair beatdown decks, oh sorry, go ahead, Steven. No, go for it. I was gonna say, speaking of uh, fair beatdown decks, John, how do you feel about like the low of the ground red, mono red or red white aggro decks that you can draft in the cube? So it really depends where you're drafting these. Um, online, I think sometimes they can be really good, um, especially towards the beginning of the cube um, when everyone's kind of been chomping at the bit to, to play Holiday Cube for a year, right? Or since the last time they put it up, um, and everyone just wants to do broken stuff. No one's gonna take Blade Splicer. <laughs> no one's gonna pick Jackal Pup. Like these cards are not nearly as sweet as the other things you can be doing, right? And then you kind of just get your pick of the litter of all the really good, like aggressive cards, and you can just run people over. Um, so I think they're good then. But <clears throat> as uh, as things kind of go along over the you know the lifetime of the cube, you get a little bit later. Uh, there's people that just want to win, right? And um, the aggressive decks can be really good at beating this dirtily junk that people are trying to do. And <clears throat> when you're competing with other people for these cards sometimes, um, it's not the best. 
because you're not even competing for the really powerful cards you're competing for garbage basically right so you're both fighting over the scraps and um you're just not gonna do as well i don't think um and it's even more frustrating considering the fact that um these uh these holiday cube matches are played league style so you and whoever else is fighting over these cards are both going to end up with a subpar deck but you're not necessarily going to be playing people in the same pod that you drafted in so you might just like play against people that were like you know they have like the nut storm deck or whatever and so you're like wandering out here with your half-baked mono red deck trying to fight guy who drafted all the storm cards <laughs> i don't know not where i want to be yeah i feel like the deck can be really good if you're the only one in it and it seems like anytime you don't draft it it's always wide open <laughs> yeah it's fair but yeah there is some risk that the one time you decide to do it someone else does and then neither of you have a have a very good deck at all yeah. So I guess and incinerate in... doesn't wheel like you're not feeling so great. <laughs> you're just like who who took incinerate over these cards? <laughs> there's like there's like I don't know a brainstorm in the pack or something, and like like decent cards, right? Especially when it's like blue cards that are still in the pack, and you're just like, oh, my incinerate got taken. Okay, like the Kiki Jiki player really wanted another incinerate effect or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's like ah, I don't have any removal. Gotta, gotta take this incinerate to beat the mono red deck. Meanwhile, you mono red deck guy, several seats over, <laughs> just doesn't doesn't get your two mana three damage spell back that you were counting on to tie the room together. <laughs> so I guess in uh, in closing, do you have any tips for uh, people who are picking up the cube for the first time? Um, yeah, I would. Uh, I would know the really good cards um, is definitely a good a good tip going in. It's kind of like a base level thing. Uh, there's just some cards that, like, pack one, pick one, you should not be passing. Um, and some of them are obvious. Some of them are less obvious to, to some people. Um, obvious ones are, you know, Black Lotus, duh. Soul Ring, duh. Mana Crypt, insane. Library of Alexandria. I sometimes see people misevaluate this one. I guess they've just never played with a card before. Uh, Library is insane it's completely nutter butters um it will draw you oodles of cards if you get it anywhere near the beginning of a game um and even sometimes if you draw it later into the game if you can stock your hand back up this card just draws you a card every turn it's insane you just roll people based on sheer card advantage and they can't even do anything about it and it still makes mana so it's like not even a dead draw when it's not active it still makes a colorless mana which is great doesn't come into play tapped doesn't damage you uh, it doesn't ask really anything of you. It just rewards you for having drafted it. Um, mana Vault, also very good. Um, so Mana Accelerants. Yeah, the Mana Accelerants, the obvious stuff. The next tier down, I would say, from these cards, and sometimes people I see overvalue the Moxes over the cards above. I think the Moxes are less good than the aforementioned cards. Moxes are great. Um, take them, play them they're an extra land drop even if they're off color they're still basically a free extra colorless man every turn they're great um ancestral recall and time walk in the same kind of wheelhouse um ancestral is obviously great one of the best cards ever getting to draw three cards for mana at instant speed very good there's other ways to abuse it in the cube too you can do stuff like torrential gear hulk back your ancestral recall i've done it it's disgusting 
Um, time walk, very good. Um, sometimes it just lets you make an extra land drop. Sometimes it lets you kill your opponent out of nowhere. Um, really strong. Um, and then some other cards that um, people don't always think about. Um, Jace the Mind Sculptor, obviously very good. Um, it's actually a pretty high pick, uh, especially if you get it early. Um, Jace the Mind Sculptor really asks you the question, if you're not already in blue, maybe you should be. It's a really powerful card. Um, Mana Drain, really good. Uh, this cube is a lot about doing broken things and cheating on mana. Mana Drain lets you do that. Um, it can kind of swing the tempo back in your favor. When your opponent does something busted, you get to counter it, and then maybe you get to serve right back with something equally busted off the mana you've um, you've stolen with your mana drain. And then um, two other cards that just completely snap the game in half that um, are just tons of fun to have and not very fun for your opponent are uh, Mind Twist. Oh, I love any mind kind twist. of ramp, yeah, any kind of ramp into Mind Twist is just disgusted, uh, disgusting, I should say. Um, Mind Twist is really gross. It's such an easy way to lose a game. Your opponent goes just like, you know, Mana Rock, Mana Rock, or like Ramp Spell, Ramp Spell into Mind Twist. Um, it can just eat your whole hand, and you just can't win the game at that point. You're so far behind on resources. Um, Mind Twist is busted. It's a great pickup. And uh, sort of Body and Mind is uh, also really, really gross. Um, it's the sword we mentioned earlier that didn't make the cut for Steven's modern deck. Uh, it <laughs> definitely should make the cut in your cube deck. It's colorless. It goes in any deck that's trying to attack, and even some that aren't. Uh, as long as you can make a body to slap it onto, uh, you can kill your opponent really quick. Every time it connects, it makes a inconsequential 2-2 green wolf, unless you're uh, trying to block and not die. I guess it's kind of good there. But the real meat is it mills the top 10 cards of their deck into their graveyard. Um, quick reminder, draft decks are a minimum of 40 cards, which is where most people will be. That kills your opponent um, by the time you have played and equipped a sort of body in mind. They probably have 30 cards left in their deck. They are dead in three swings. Uh, that is crazy. That is huge. That is like infect levels of just kill you. Um, so sort of body in mind is great. Gives it pro green and pro blue. Uh, a lot of the little dirtily creatures that kind of stick around on the board in this format are green, and uh, some number of them are also blue. There's um, some looters and stuff that can kind of get onto the board, stuff like Snapcaster Mage as well. Uh, it just attacks right through them and uh, slices 10 cards off the top of their deck. So um, these are all cards to kind of keep in mind at the top of your pick list, I think, when you're uh, drafting the cube. Uh, there's obviously all sorts of other great cards like tinker channel stuff like that um but these i think are uh towards the top of the heap at least and before you uh hit him with a sword and they shallow grave you <laughs> so let's wrap this up with our slot of the week slot of the week is where we talk about what card we are totally hyped about playing in our 75 um john how about you start us off um, well, I'm excited. I have finally gotten my Tarmogoyfs back in the mail. I have been without them for like half a year now, I think. Uh, wow. I sent them off to the artist to get signed, um, and I finally got them back. I'm super excited. They are gorgeous. Um, Future Sight or Modern Borders? Uh, modern. Modern Masters. Uh, okay. Ryan Barger. Barker cool. Barger. Yeah, uh, super excited. They look great. Uh, I got them all sleeved back up. I'm going to be jamming with them again. 
Uh, I have had all sorts of little brews and stuff. I wanted to play Tarmogoyf in and I haven't been able to, so I've been kind of off green for a while now in Modern. So it's going to be nice to get to play some uh, sweet green decks with Tarmogoyf again. Uh, how about you, Chris? Well, uh, after my s slight vacation from uh, the Five Color Human deck, I'll be right back at it this coming Friday, playing some Horizon Canopies. And uh, I've seen some lists um, do away with the fetches and shocks and just play the full four canopies and a couple fast lands. Uh, might try that out, see how it goes. I mean, Horizon Canopy has felt very, very good in this deck, so it's possible that four is um, where you want to be, but I'm uh, still I'm a little bit afraid of um, having a Seachrome Coast enter tapped when I want to play Double Lord on turn four. Mm, yeah, that's fair. But I figure it's worth a try. Uh, what about you, Steve? Where are you going to play? Uh, so this week, I'm going to be pulling away from uh, my awesome robots and kind of pushing towards its worst matchup, which is Jund. Uh, and I'm going to be... My slot of the week is Bob, Dark Confidant. Um, this card has lost me many, many games, but I think that's probably because I get a little too aggressive with them. Um... I still haven't mastered the art of uh, dark confidanting, um, although the the flavor text of the card is uh, it says uh, greatness at any cost. Yeah, sometimes so, that cost is bolting your own bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so uh, there, there's been multiple times where I'll end the game uh, with three bobs on the three bobs on the board, and my opponent has like. A handful of removal but i'm at five life so they're just gonna they're just gonna wing it and hope to see hope to see that uh that five converted mana cost uh hit me off the top with three bobs and uh guess what more often than not it uh it, it they'll they'll do that they'll uh they'll get all uh you must master the art of the chump attack yeah and, and you know what and, and and that's the thing like even even when you attack with with a bob and you're at a very low life, your opponent like goes to block it instinctively and then just kind of looks at it and says like, "Hmm, it's only two damage, and he might die next turn." Yeah. Yeah, I'll just take it. Then you're like, "Ah, false your bullshit!" Dang it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'll be playing with Dark Confidant and uh, trying to get a hang of how to play him properly uh, and kind of mastering that bit down. Um, and I think that wraps us up for this cast. Thank you guys for sticking around till the very end. And if you're wondering where you can check out more content from us, you can head over to mtgconflicts.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube under that same name, mtgconflicts, one word. And if you have any suggestions or comments that you'd like us to read, please feel free to email us at themtgconflicts at gmail.com. Again, we really do appreciate you sticking around, and we'll hope you join us in the next one. Later. Later.